Hello. Welcome back to Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast. You have caught us on the very last episode of the very last book of the first series. It is the last Olympian part, I think, for now. <laughs> Today, it's just Carter and I. We hope you still like us. <laughs> and we are feeling a lot of emotions. We'll get into all of it. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. I'm going to be sentimental. Stick around. Okay, so Carter and I talked about this and we feel the need to just get it out there right off the bat. It is currently 8.56 p.m. on Friday, November 6th. So when this episode gets out there in a few more days, just remember the state of being perhaps that you were in at 8.56 p.m. on Friday, November 6th. It's been a rough week. Things are maybe looking up, but honestly, I'm too scared to... <laughs> jinx anything carter yeah feelings. it's been wild i'm literally just now seeing a new york times notification on my screen calling the georgia senate race as not a republican victory and confirming that there will be a runoff for both of them so that's really exciting but just again as a reminder like the new york times for instance has not called the race yet and has left no four senate seats open and with it control of the senate so that's kind of where we're at Anyway, we just wanted to name that. And we might circle back to it because... Um... Because frankly, where we are in this book, we are about to see some some unprecedented political change taking place in New York City, in Olympus, in Western civilization. I, I'm, I, I might get a little emotional towards the end. We'll see. Yes. It would be great if today was the first time we cried on Seaweed <laughs> Brain. <laughs> I think we're ready to get into it. Yeah. So we last left off with Rachel arriving in a helicopter whose mortal pilot has fallen asleep because of the spell. And um, with Annabeth stepping up to try and figure out how to rescue Percy's quote unquote friend who is going down in a helicopter above developing war zone. In, in Manhattan. And Annabeth pulls it off. It's sort of left as a cliffhanger, but Annabeth very unhesitatingly and quickly just goes up there, pilots a helicopter for the first time, and does um, successfully save Rachel. I want to give plus seven bisexual points to Annabeth for unknowingly piloting a helicopter. Yeah. I think that's some powerful I energy. Think that's correct. Rachel arrives. Percy, in his internal monologue, says, you know what, Rachel, because of all she's done, leaving her vacation, committing to this girl's school. You know, in her own way, she was as brave as Annabeth. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not! I, okay, we, we, I think we, we've been trying in this podcast to, I, I have in the notes, like, this little comment, this is like, we need to take it easy on Rachel, because all of our guests have been reminding us of this, we've been reminding ourselves of this. This is our test, this is literally a test with no, when there's no one else there's here. There's no like, one to hold us accountable. <laughs> but, um... Okay, we, we named it. We're putting it out there. We we are women who support other women. But, like, that moment is so wrong. He's so wrong for that. Going to a private yeah. boarding school, it might be hard. There might be challenges that she faces there. But, wow, the privilege. Wow, the privilege is not the same. It is not the same as fighting a war to prevent everyone you know from being basically annihilated by um, an anarchist terrorist, shall we call him? I don't I don't know how to correctly politically framed chronos at this point but it's not the same it truly is not the same and, and that really deeply frustrated me 
I wanted to throw it out there. Why Why is he comparing them in this moment? Also why? that. I, I, I know why. I know why. <laughs> it's because he has feelings for both of them and he's very horny and he's all amped up on his invincible man juice right now. But I do feel like make more female friends. Why can't you just say she was brave? You don't have to say if she was as brave as Annabeth. Like, yes. I know we're doing yes. that, but Percy... I'm going to hold him to a higher standard. Yes. This is very, this is very good. This Great. is healing for us as well. <laughs> Women can be competent and brave without comparison. Basically, Rachel, Rachel's, she's powering up slowly here and, and she's saying all of this stuff. She's like, Percy, like, like I, I came because I knew you were in trouble, but you have to understand Perseus, you are not the hero. And Percy's like, the hell? And she says, it will affect what you do. And he has no idea what she's talking about. What a blow, though. I love Rachel for saying that in this exact moment when he is literally invincible and the only hope for this battle. She's like, just so you know, Percy, this isn't about you and it's not going to be you. So yeah, maybe calm we love down. that for her. <laughs> that, that sort of gives us a glimpse into how Rachel's powering up. This is like a major important glimpse into the future. And with that, per- Percy basically is like, you, you should probably talk to Chiron. Because, you know, clearly you know something's up, I know something's up, and Chiron will probably be best to give you some wise counsel about what's happening to you and how you can best proceed. Which we, of course, I think we've made our opinions on this very clear. This is, this is a mistake. They should not, they should not trust this man. He is not going to take care of her. He is not sufficiently risk-averse about the lives of teenage children. And we will see him truly fulfill all of our worst hopes on that front. After you fall (laughs) under a pile of rubble, you rise and endanger the lives of youths (laughs) once more. This man horse is invincible. Great. Kyron is like, Percy, you should get some sleep. You look like shit. Percy dreams about uh, Nico this time. And Nico is still in the underworld, if you didn't remember, trapped, arguing with Hades. And I think this is an interesting conversation. We get a mirror to the scene later with Percy talking to his own dad, but he says... Mm-hmm. you may ha- disagree with your family they may treat you terribly you're just as much as an outcast as i am and you need to go to olympus you need to get to new york city right now and join the fight because the alternative is worse and you not mm-hmm. voting is not um a statement <laughs> it's not making you original it's not making you cute and it's doing literally nothing but the opposite of what you want it to so make sure you go make your voice heard dad and I also do want to say that I think this I think this is plus 10 points for Hades being bisexual <laughs> when um, Nico says, you know, you are just as much as an outcast as I am. Wink, wink. Scene shifts in the dream because, again, all the dreams are 10 million parts here, but in Camp Kronos, again. And basically what, <laughs> what we see here is it's starting to get hasty. Kronos is upset about the embarrassment he suffered at the hands of the party ponies. Mm-hmm. Prometheus makes a little joke here about the ab- <laughs> destroying the stables in Central Park. And Kronos is is like genuinely upset about this. Like he's he's mad. And <laughs> he's getting kind he's of like so petty. He's so petty and he's getting like sloppy because of it. Prometheus is trying to slow him down and say, like, you know, like you maybe want to take a beat, relax. Like, this is not maybe the best strategy. And Kronos basically just says, like, or I can kill you. How about that? And Prometheus says, okay, you know, let's. Let's do it. Let's launch the next phase of the attack, which is this Draken, D-R-A-K-O-N, not to be confused with the dragon, as they explain later. It's like basically a gigantic snake. Should we check? I don't know enough about Greek. I think it's whatever. I think we're going to keep pronouncing it incorrectly okay, as our great. little... You know, why stop now? Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kronos basically just says like they know that they can't defeat this. We wake up. It's time to find out whether or not we are going to defeat... The Dracon Dragon. Percy's like, it's me. I'm at the front of the line. Annabeth steps next to him. Is clearly been like crying. Her eyes are red. Percy's like, yeah. she tried to hide it, but I could tell. 
And then we get the whole Dracon fight, which again, like, you know, we don't have to go too deep into the battle details here. You can read Rick's pages and pages of, of wartime merriment for that. But I do, <laughs> I can't separate the vision of the 2012 Avengers film from this scene with the giant alien monsters swooping and crashing into buildings. Um, yeah. It's also the moment where the Avengers assemble, if you recall, for the first yep. time in the in the MCU. We know that the dragon can only be defeated by a child of Ares. So we're basically screwed until it appears that the Ares cabin is back being led by Clarice storming into battle finally. with her electric spear, finally. The dialogue basically gives a lot of hints to us that, like, something is off. To quote our favorite, favorite Bai Kang, there's something off about her. I can't explain it, but she's slipping. Did you just call <laughs> Zuko a famous Bai King? Is he not? <laughs> I need a, I'm sorry, I need slight explanation I just for think that. it's I... there. I think that some people would argue that he's gay, but I think the energy with me is real. Yeah. But also, there's other things he's going clearly... on there. He's yeah. clearly... Yes. Okay, cool. No, I just wanted to check anyway. in with that. <laughs> <laughs> the point is basically just that, like, Clarice is, like, somehow, like, really bad at fighting. And <laughs> it's clear that something's up. It's not her. She has blue eyes shining. Because, of course, the best way to identify someone who is in a full suit of armor and several feet away is through their shining blue eyes. <laughs> Which, which are often to us because Clarice, of course, does not have blue eyes. And this explains to us why the, the Ares cabin is basically losing very badly. And the dragon basically defeats who we are increasingly sure is not Clarice by just spitting a ton of vomit, which is, yep. of course, very poisonous directly onto her. Percy goes, no, wait. She lays dying on the gravel. And then who appears but the actual Clarice running in? with Chris Rodriguez close behind. You shouldn't have done this. What is happening? I think we all know what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Clarice is so enraged by this. She literally just picks up her spear and murders the Dracon, like, on the spot. Yeah, like, one shot. And then rushes back to Selena's side. Powerful, 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 powerful. Annabeth removes the helmet. We know what's happening. Yeah, it turns out uh, she was a spy. In, ca- in case you were wondering, they were there. There was some foreshadowing about this. Um, in in Selena being super guilty, particularly about Beckendorf's death, because of course, as the spy, she was basically directly, directly responsible. responsible for it. He gives this line about how um he promised I was saving lives, which I just want to put out there. It looks like Trump is on his way out. We're gonna make this comparison. Um, I, f- I feel like we need to to warn particularly the youths who have not been around for that many presidential elections. You know, like there are going to be Republicans who are going to come out here and say, oh, I entered this administration and I did this thing in the Senate Finance Committee because I was saving lives. I was a check on the evil people and I had to go in on the inside and like, you know, like rein them in and tell them how to mitigate their harms and to do their evil things without causing that many casualties. And just so we're all naming it, like, that's, that's bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> Selena, I, I, I'm, I, I'm still like very uncomfortable with this. Clarice is like super emotional, and Clarice does not see this meaningfully as a betrayal from Selena. Clarice is just really sad that her like really close friend and like you know as we've said maybe romantic interest um, <laughs> is is like dying. This is sort of the end of the conversation we have about Selena as like a potential betrayer and someone who did cause a lot of harm to all of the other demigods to the other people who are trying to you know fight Kronos we'll be back on this like the the ideas about like who is deserving of redemption what redemption looks like who gets like the narrative arc of like the hero those questions I think are the ones that we're going to come back to for for obvious reasons but like I I just want to say that like I personally am way more uncomfortable with the 
arc that they give to Selena as the girl who sacrificed it all because in her heart she was always on the right side. That really does not do it for me. And I forgive her because I also would have been <laughs> swayed by Luke and then accidentally murdered my own boyfriend. Oof. Okay. Oof. <laughs> so after that happens, Clarice goes off. She drags the, the carcass behind her chariot. Everyone basically goes up to Mount Olympus to get this defi- final defense going. In the elevator, there's this very important conversation that I think is really easy to skip over where Annabeth yes. is like, you know what? Luke is no good. Now I know. I hope you're happy. And she says like, it. I didn't realize it, but seeing Selena, like now I get it. Oh, and I love that for her. I love that it took yes. her seeing the damage he did to another woman to understand what she's yeah. been going through and to see it from the outside, to see it happening to her female friend. She was able to pull herself out of it sisterhood period yeah I, I i had not put that together before but i i i really agree with that and selena of course like we just so that like this part is not speculation the, the selena clarice thing is a little bit speculation on our part but i think i believe it is canon the selena is basically like luke was always so nice to me and charming and yeah. like we can see that basically he's explaining that he's using his position of of sexual capital under patriarchy to try to get selena to betray her friends in this way he seduced and, her yeah. he emotionally manipulated her yes and that brings us to to Olympus. We're wandering around. We're seeing heroes who are injured in the war and how Olympus is looking really sad and scary and shady. We're going to kind of skip past all of that to a scene in the throne room with Rachel and uh-huh. Hestia. Some shit's about to go down. Queens. Ra- Rachel's sitting there holding Pandora's pithos and looking at it hungrily. While Hestia's just like chilling out, watching her, having a nice conversation with Rachel about what her role is in the world. The subtext of this for those of you who've been following along, Rachel's been predicting a lot of the future recently. Um, and so even though they never say this explicitly in the section, Rachel is basically trying to figure out like, okay, am I going to step up to this role that it seems like everyone is agreeing that I can fulfill as the Oracle? Um, and what like basically do I need to do and give up in order to fulfill that role? And of course, because of, as we have named earlier, Apollo's sexism and, mm-hmm. um, upholding of the construct of virginity um it basically means that like she can't date percy shall we do a little excerpt <laughs> i think i think we shall all right this is on the bottom of page 305 to claim your place at the hearth hestia told her you must let go of your distractions it is the only way you will survive rachel nodded i i understand wait i said what is she talking about rachel took a shaky breath percy when i came here i thought i was coming for you but i wasn't you and me, she shook her head. Wait, now I'm a distraction? Is this because I'm not the hero or whatever? I'm not sure I can put it into words, she said. I was drawn to you because because you opened the door to all of this. She gestured at the throne room. I needed to understand my true sight. But you and me, that wasn't part of it. Our fates aren't intertwined. I think you've always known that, deep down. I stared at her. Maybe I wasn't the brightest guy in the world when it came to girls, but I was pretty sure Rachel had just dumped me, which was lame considering we'd never even been together. Way to backtrack out of that, Percy. Way to back up and act be be like, we weren't even dating in the first place, so you can't break up with me. That's Percy's slob era right there. That was like truly one of his lowest points in the book. The way he's so mad about it. Why? Why is he so mad about it? Girl, he... Anyway, yeah. I (laughs) love this moment. This, for me, is the redeeming moment for Rachel. And that doesn't mean it's not complicated because it does bother me a little bit that, like, 
Rachel had to follow through with this Aang, like, letting go of your earthly tether thing in order to power up, whereas Percy mm-hmm. doesn't have to. And as later, like, yeah. we see that, like, Percy never had to do that. Of course, neither did Annabeth, whatever. But, like, Rachel literally has to let go of everything in order to do her thing, which is just, you know, yeah. the inherited structure that we get from this whole, like, only virgin women can be powerful in Greek culture yeah. because of the mm-hmm. fake mm-hmm. female ideal, whatever. We can talk about that every damn day for the rest of time. But I just love this. I love that she realizes that the reason she was into him is because he was a stepping stone into figuring mm-hmm. out her true self. Mm-hmm. It was never about him. It was never save me yeah. half blood. It was like mm-hmm. this, uh, bring me with you into the world of half bloods. Like I'm, re- this is where I'm supposed to be and not yeah. you are who I'm supposed to be with. I, I love yeah. that. And it, it, it washes everything <laughs> away for me. Yeah. I, okay. I, I had a little bit of pause for this because I think some of the language Particularly, like, the, the class relation between Percy and Rachel troubles me a little bit in terms of the mm. optics of Rachel being like, oh, like, I thought I was into you, but really, like, I just wanted to, like, use you to explore. No! I just want to name that. I don't think, I, okay, I, I don't think that that's Ooh. all that's there. That's I think that there is definitely, like, a lot to be said about the idea that, like, you know, if you were kind of exploring something with someone, like, maybe it is a good opportunity for you to stop, like, early, as Percy says, before they even started dating, and just say, like, you know, Am I actually into this? Or did I just have a fun learning experience about myself that um, (laughs) gives me a good opportunity to like, you know, grow as a person and then like pump the brakes before we get into something really intense? Yeah, I I think you're right. So yeah, right after this, Hestia is still there through all of this. Um, Hestia, who's been talking to Rachel about what her goals are, um, and Percy sort of spins out after this. Percy spins way out over this, like in a way that truly, like when I reread it, I was like, this is not proportional. Like what is happening right now like you need to calm down and he basically like almost releases hope from from the pithos at this point which truly does not seem like a proportional reaction at all and we're now going to start reading from page 307 then i looked at hestia her red eyes glowed warmly i remember the images i'd seen in her hearth friends and family everyone i cared about i remember something chris rodriguez had said there's no point in defending camp if you guys die all our friends are here and nico standing up to his father hades if olympus falls he said your own palace of safety doesn't matter I heard footsteps. Annabeth and Grover came back into the throne room and stopped when they saw us. I probably had a strange look on my face. Percy? Annabeth didn't sound angry anymore, just concerned. Should we, um, leave again? I suddenly felt like someone had injected me with steel. I understood what to do. I looked at Rachel. You're not going to do anything stupid, are you? I mean, you talked to Kyron, right? She managed a faint smile. You're worried about me doing something stupid? But I mean, will you be okay? I don't know, she admitted. That kind of depends on whether you save the world or not, hero. I picked up Pandora's jar. The spirit of hope fluttered inside, trying to warm the cold container. Hestia, I said, I give this to you as an offering. The goddess tilted her head. I am the least of the gods. Why would you trust me with this? You're the last Olympian, I said, and the most important. And why is that, Percy Jackson? Because hope survives best at the hearth, I said. Guard it for me, and I won't be tempted to give it up again. We really came full circle on the titular on the titular role there. <laughs> In case you needed it spelled out any more explicitly, <laughs> this is what's important. This is what we should it's be investing in and fighting for and caring about. Yes. And Percy then, he follows through on that. The impertinent move. He comes back to the sassiest little move and he goes and he sits in his dad's throne just to get his attention. That's he iconic. hears his dad's voice in his head and he's like, Percy, I was going to smite you if I hadn't looked. Like, bro, like, what are you doing? And he was like, dad, I needed your attention. Here's the thing you have to get here. And has the same conversation basically that Nico had with his dad I know mm-hmm. you're fighting your battle and it seems, seems important but the only way we're going to win this is if we unite together mm-hmm. so we've got to do it 
I don't love that they're, that Nico is like, you have to forgive your family, Hades, because they do treat him, like, pretty darn terribly. And I don't yeah. necessarily love the idea that, like, you have to forgive your family because your family's your family and your home's always going to be your home. But I think yeah. when we, we connect that back to the fact that Kronos is also their father, like, I yeah. think it's fine. I think that it's too, yeah. it's too complicated when it comes to, like, the familial ties to make it all about that. I agree. I think that they make it clear that family is, yeah, as, as you're alluding to, like, more than just blood, which would be not, I think, a vision of family that makes sense to us. And I don't think it's the way that Percy talks about it either. Like, he does, like, literally invoke his mom a lot of the time, but he also... It's the friends at the campfire. It's about camp. And, like, yeah, the, I, I think, like, yeah, chosen family is definitely, like, even within, like, the subcontext of, like, like, even, like, choosing which members of your family are actually, like, worth saving is definitely something that they're doing here. And we just want to shout out that because, you know... The people who give birth to you and are responsible for producing the zygotes that um, are in some way responsible for your existence are not. I think we're all on the same page about that. After this, Percy's like, okay, that's squared away. That That's all we can do about the gods. We're going to head back down and try to, you know, defend Olympus from the ground again. And when we're back down there, literally, it's just Chiron standing between Kronos and the entire Titan army. And this conversation is wild. Like, this is... I. I want to say like Luke level of like the entire conversation is just working through issues about father-son relationships. The whole thing, even when they deviate from Chiron's relationship to Kronos, it's to Luke's relationship to his father. And it's just so much. It's just so much for me. And it just really like deeply frustrated me reading that and being like, why? But this is basically how Chiron like almost gets the upper hand because Chiron is trying to like, you know, Jedi mind trick his way in there and be like, oh, I actually know the real tea about your father. And he he notes that Luke does sort of like break through in like the heat of this conversation and um, refer, I think he says something like, the gods never cared about me. And then Chiron is like, you know, you said me, that's, that's weird. It doesn't work. Kronos throws that horse under a giant thing of rubble, breaks Thank all God. his legs. It was time. Chiron didn't even need to be taken down a peg. Thank God. At this moment, um, Annabeth goes all the way off, runs at Luke Kronos, starts attacking him. Percy like wrestles her back mm-hmm. she's like kicking and screaming uh it, things aren't looking good the army is is getting closer um and then the reinforcements part 1000 finally come in it's <laughs> turns out nico and his undead army and his father and persephone and demeter on a ghostly chariot rolling up chronos is like oh i didn't think you'd be here you know, and, and and Hades is like, honestly, I realized my son convinced me I should prioritize my list of enemies. And if there's one thing me and my brothers agree on, it's that you were a terrible father. Yay. And Unite. that's on solidarity. Yes. But in this moment, Kronos sees that the only thing he can do is he seals everyone out of Olympus. He like makes a little mm-hmm. like time shield. So he seals like Hades and that whole situation outside of the bubble. Um, and I believe it's just him and Percy and yeah, Annabeth, it's like Grover. It's just it's just the main squad, main squad, and then also like I think there, there's like a few other like Titan army lackeys, but like almost the whole Titan army, with the exception of like notably Ethan Nakamura and like a couple of like mm-hmm. you know giants, whatever, locked outside. So then yes. now you know now that he's collapsed the barrier, that means that Manhattan is is back up and running. You know, like cars yes. are coming into the city, everyone's awake again, and they're awake to what? To a full-on war between the zombies and the monsters. Yes, on the and streets. the mortals don't know what's going on, obviously, except for at this moment, Sally and Paul also wake up, and of course, Sally has the gift of sight. Percy's like, I think she saw how bad everything was, but like the king and queen they are, they join into the battle. Paul picks up a sword off the ground, is slicing a 
away at some monsters because he was a Shakespearean actor in college and he oh. knows stage combat. Shout out to the oh prog squad. Thank you, my stage combat teacher, Tony Pasculi. <laughs> Wonderful. I started doing that because of Percy Jackson. No joke. <laughs> Sally pulls a gun out of who knows where. She steals from cops. Sally said, I am real public safety. I will show you what that looks like. And it does not look like state violence along racial lines. She steals from cops and she shoots some monsters. And Great. we we always knew that she was ready. And then from there, uh, Percy, Annabeth, Grover, Talia are following Kronos and squad up to Olympus. The bridge is dissolving between the elevator and, and Mount Olympus. This is crazy. They almost fall yeah. to their doom. They catch each other. Percy pulls her up. Says, Annabeth was not going to fall. I didn't realize we had our arms around each other until she suddenly tensed. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening. That's a heated moment. There's this note here that says the connection between Olympus and America is dissolving, which I never really registered, but I think that is crazy yeah ah. we're gonna also just point out really briefly the parallels in percy pulling up annabeth this is like an image that recurs in a lot of different ways annabeth of course pulls percy out of the river Styx earlier in this book in his imagination or whatever but it counts and um this literal same image where percy is trying to like pull annabeth up out of like a dying abyss also occurs again later on in our next series spoiler oh, alert my. they're both gonna fall that time <laughs> oh my wow it's happening it's all image. happening i love that for them <sighs> as they are running through the streets of olympus Hera's statues are like trying to murder annabeth we don't have time for this okay it's petty literally Supreme. so dumb <laughs> so petty um Team Avatar makes it to the throne room. Kronos is there and Ethan Nakamura, of course. Percy says, you know, except for the golden eyes, he looked just like the same, this just the same as he had four years ago when he'd welcomed me into the Hermes cabin. We're recalling our memories of him. His life is flashing before our eyes. Sounds like maybe it's going to go well. We'll see. In this weird moment, <laughs> uh, Percy's like, oh, you know, Luke would fight me with a sword. And so the mm -hmm. scythe. Um, turns into a sword um, and Annabeth is like Percy be careful you remember the prophecy cursed blow blade hero social reap and Percy's like that's irritating why would she remind me of that right now that's not very encouraging but she yes. been new she knows what's going on she figured it out e Ethan and Annabeth start fighting as well because of course Ethan knows where the Achilles spot is um, mm -hmm. Annabeth is going Percy the blade um, she takes out her knife Percy is climbing around on the thrones and stuff the Hephaestus throne is like almost gonna kill everyone which I love shout out to him that's and the, the king. dumbest part about this scene is that Percy is trying his best he's like climbing on all these thrones it's like kind of a cute scene and then what defeats Kronos it's a chair a chair beats the titan it's crazy There's, they're, <laughs> just, they're just fighting they're hopping all around the giant throne room annabeth meantime is like listen luke listen to me and percy's like what is he doing the sugar the river, um and he, i want to literally calls her crazy. crazy absolutely don't wrong. do that Sit literally never do that <laughs> yes and then chronos is like ethan it's time you know where his weakness is and percy is like talking him down he's like you know what ethan your mom is the god of goddess of balance and total destruction <laughs> is not balance chronos doesn't build he only destroys and turns and out works. he gets he gets to Ethan in this moment. Ethan, who we I think we've been new. He has he is in over his head. He is not ready for this. This is not what he wanted. In his last moment, he raises his sword, tries to behead Kronos instead. Kronos yells treason, and then Ethan basically drops through the ground into the sky and dies a horrible, painful, scary death. But he did yeah. restore his honor. So oh there my. You go. Oh my, yeah, no, I, <laughs> we do have to name it. I didn't appreciate it, this that much, like, the first time I read it through, but, like, 
I don't think anyone like does the level of attack on like Kronos's physical body that Ethan Nakamura does literally ever in the entire book series. He tries to behead Kronos. That's that's really epic. We'll give props for that, even yeah. as we've registered many, many other concerns about this character. <laughs> There's definitely the energy of like these common like misunderstandings and like oversimplifications and essentializations of like Taoism and like Confucianism, which Confucianism in particular, like very much is, I would say, not about balance. But um, anyway, and with that, we're turning back in to the battle. It's Kronos versus Team Avatar now, as Percy says, quote, my only thought was to keep him away from Annabeth. Okay. <laughs> There's this really confusing moment for me where Kronos is like, pause, <laughs> let me show you what's happening, and like calls a timeout and like basically plays a movie and is like, here's what's going on with Typhon, and like shows them like how Typhon yeah. is like murdering the gods to like, I guess, get them to be hopeless. But it seems like maybe he needed a break because he's not done regenerating, as we yeah, know. Yeah, Kronos calls a timeout for himself and literally says, <laughs> Let's do some exposition. Let's do the B storyline to check in where we left off. Which, I mean, I guess Rick did have to do it somehow. I can't be that mad. But <laughs> it kind of backfires because as we're watching the movie, we see Poseidon show up with his underwater army. Percy got through to him as well. Oh my god, they're listening to their kids! Cronus is like, ah, whatever, and slices through the movie screen. And it's time to get this shit on the road. Kronos disarms Percy. Annabeth gets in there, continues doing this dialogue thing that's just frustrating Percy. Yeah, I think we have to do a reading here. And just for context here, like again, Annabeth is super weak, super injured, almost fell out of the sky, but she is single-handedly holding off the king of the Titans because she wants to talk to Luke. This is page 334. Kronos loomed over Annabeth, his sword raised. Blood trickled from the corner of her mouth. She croaked. Family, Luke, you promised. I took a painful step forward. Grover was back on his feet over by the throne of Hera, but he seemed to be struggling to move as well. Before either of us could get anywhere close to Annabeth, Kronos staggered. He stared at the knife in Annabeth's hand, the blood on her face. Promise. Then he gasped like he couldn't get air. Annabeth! But it wasn't the Titan's voice, it was Luke's. He stumbled forward like he couldn't control his own body. You're bleeding. My knife... Annabeth tried to raise her dagger, but it clattered out of her hand. Her arm was bent at a funny angle. She looked at me, imploring, Percy, please, I can move again. I surged forward, scooped up her knife. I knocked Backbiter out of Luke's hand, and it spun into the hearth. Luke hardly paid any, me any attention. He stepped forward toward Annabeth, but I put myself between him and her. Don't touch her, I said. Anger rippled across his face. Cronus's voice growled. Jackson, was it my imagination, or was his whole body glowing, turning gold? Yeah, basically what we're seeing, as you heard, is that Luke is in there, he's fighting, he saw Annabeth injured by his own hand, and it, like, breaks him out, but it's not, it's not a clean victory. There's, like, a battle between Luke and Kronos for control, in which Luke seems to be indicating to us that he's changed his mind, and that he's on our side, and that he is going to basically try to kill himself and destroy his body in order to get rid of Kronos. But... We have to trust him, because if Percy tries to kill him, it's not going to work. Kronos is going to take back over, so it has to be Luke. It has to be Luke, and we need to basically give Luke a you weapon. You are not the hero, so Rachel he had said. It will affect what you do. Percy is thinking about these lines. Luke is speaking his, in his own voice. Please, there's no time. The line from the Great Prophecy echoed in my head. A hero's soul, cursed blade, shall reap. My whole world tipped upside down, and I gave the knife to Luke. Grover is like, oh, Percy Zoinks, what you do in there? <laughs> and in that moment, Luke grasps the hilt, 
opens himself up to his Achilles spot and stabs himself. <gasps> Epic sacrifice. He does the it. cursed blade of the knife reaping the hero's soul. And that was a single choice that shall end his days. Masculine pronouns. We're just being super explicit here. His being Luke's. Um, <laughs> and the single choice being for Percy to yield, to give Luke the blade and to trust him basically defenseless with the future of, of the world. And Remember and Luke, this, this and Luke knife that Luke gifted Annabeth. <gasps> Was this whole book about their love story? I'm confused, honestly. Reading towards this. Should we have renamed the podcast? <laughs> this is the page 337. Good blade, he croaked. I knelt next to him. Annabeth limped over with Grover's support. They both had tears in their eyes. Luke gazed at Annabeth. You knew. I almost killed you, but you knew. Shh, her voice trembled. You were a hero at the end, Luke. You'll go to Elysium. He shook his head weakly. Think rebirth. Try for three times. Isles of the Blessed. Annabeth sniffled. You always pushed yourself too hard. He held up his charred hand. Annabeth touched his fingertips. Did you... Luke coughed and his lips glistened red. Did you love me? Annabeth wiped her tears away. There was a time when I thought... Well, I thought... She looked at me like she was drinking in the fact that I was still here. And I realized I was doing the same thing. The world was collapsing, and the only thing that really mattered to me was that she was alive. You were like a brother to me, Luke, she said softly. But I didn't love you. <sighs> oh, oh. That, that still does wow. not sit right with me. He makes it very clear that she looks at Percy before she says anything. So do you believe her? Because I like my read of this is that Annabeth basically is just doing an expected value calculation at this moment. And is like, <laughs> I feel conflicted about the line that says I was still here. So she was like, okay, well, he's dying. So I'm going to go with Percy on this one and salvage what <laughs> remains, which I would not judge her for. I would not judge her for it either. her train of thought. But I also think of like, if that is the reading, it would be kind of sad. This idea that she basically is saying like, I can't be honest with Percy would be my main takeaway from that, which is also like really sad and um and shit. We need to talk about this later on like our, our final wrap-up episode, but I feel like I don't think she loved him as a brother. I am just gonna I think that all evidence points towards she mm -hmm. had very serious romantic feelings for him. There's and other he stuff had some messed on. up romantic feelings for her that they never addressed. Perhaps in this moment she is lying to herself and trying to convince mm -hmm. herself it wasn't that way after all the stuff that's happened recently, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. I think it's crazy that he asks her this. I think it's absolutely insane. Yes. That's so wild and disrespectful and he truly should not have. Basically with that, Luke is dying. His last words are, don't let it happen again. Referring to, you know, his situation about being like unclaimed, not having like a quote unquote real family, etc. And this seems like a good moment for us to really pause and dive in deeper on this, on Luke's behavior specifically and the yep. arc that they give him because this arc for me I, I like set like several members of my family aside to like talk through this before we came on today to make mm. sure i was like mm. together on this. i need to know nobu's opinion with him i was mostly just trying to brainstorm like other like examples of where we say things like this in an attempt to try and like compare those things to make sure i'm not like you know like internal consistency as a way to try and crystallize those those thoughts but I think what's so unsatisfying about this for me is that it's the same narrative arc that we give people like like the main examples I have written down in the notes here are like Darth Vader and Severus Snape where like instead of basically instead of doing the work to change to make up for all of the bad things that you've done 
you you basically substitute that in for for like for for martyrdom you're, you're it's like there's a way a in which yeah like a yeah. heroic death is an easy way out it's an emergency exit for you to not actually like repair your relationships deal with what you have done and like actually like you know like f- change yourself and like repair the harms that you've created like luke does a lot to sort of mitigate possible worst effects that could have happened but like he doesn't do a lot of labor here and he doesn't like give anything up really to do that because Luke is about to die anyway if Kronos like takes over his body and like burns him to dust. Like, I think the other thing about it that's really frustrating to me is that like the main impetus for Luke doing this that we can sort of see in his like really messed up call to Annabeth being like do you love me is that for him like the only thing he's thinking about here is immediate familial needs. Like I think all of his actions Sammy touched on this in a way that like really helped me like to crystallize this as well. It's all just about either Hermes or Annabeth for him like basically this whole time and like yeah. just trying to think through do yeah. I side with Cronus or do I side with Olympians like this this question with civilization level consequences basically on just the basis of like who is loving me like who is showing me enough affection and like giving me a sense of belonging and family that can like ground my identity and like I don't want to say that the search for family and identity obviously it's very important and we support lots of people in this it's just so irresponsible. The Sever Snape comparison in particular, I think really like brings out for me is this idea that we like, I think we're all universally on the page of like Snape's. He was so bad for what he did. And like, it's highlighted by the fact that like for like in the case of all of these villains, like the, the reason why they like make this ultimate change at the end, it's not an ethical decision for them. It's like about basically like the emotional preconditions and like the fact that some people were like miraculously, heroically way over the top, like empathetic to them and like risked lots of civilization in order to be like way too empathetic to them and to trust them more than they frankly I would argue deserve on the merits. How do you feel about the redemption arc of all of this? I think it's very characteristic of simplistic easy and passive storytelling of like Aristotelian dramatic structure. We learn a thing there's all, all these, you know, the, the perpetea, the harmarsha, the, the catharsis happens and mm-hmm. but the catharsis does not involve meaningful change it just involves emotional satisfaction Mm -hmm. it doesn't demand anything of the characters of the audience or the you know whoever is reading or inhaling the story to question what we're going to do to fix everything we need to Mm -hmm. hold Mm -hmm. ourselves responsible in a way that isn't just like punishing bad people and celebrating good people it is what it is it's a kid's book like (laughs) i think we are putting a lot of this (laughs) as much as we (laughs) but yeah i don't know I, i i feel like I would have to revisit the Deathly Hallows to be able to talk about Snape in comparison to this, but he does leave the earth without like making up for any of the emotional abuse he enacted upon lots of children. Yes. Yeah. And I think like another thread that we can get through all of these people like Darth Vader, Severus Snape and Luke is, you know, on this question of who gets the trust, who do we like do labor for? Who do we see as it's coming back to the election? Who do we see as like persuadable and deserving of this labor in order to like recruit people onto your team? It's people who we see in all these cases, it's like people who are privileged along all of these axes, people who are disproportionately white men who are like petulant and need lots of handholding and are maybe not very emotionally mature are the people who we see as deserving of all of this labor. The people who like we can persuade if we just try hard enough rather than perhaps leaving them be and working on like lots of other people who could also stand to benefit a lot and contribute a lot to like the vision that we're trying to achieve here if you help them and I think that there's like a macro and micro scale to that there are a lot of people whose like take on the 2020 election after again like it still has not been called by lots of people is basically already somehow that like Democrats aren't as in good shape and like there needs to be more handholding of rural white people which somehow seems to be the conclusion no matter how the election goes and which demographic groups swing where but I think there is also just like the micro level thing 
that like does really directly apply to anyone reading this kid's book which is basically just like if you have a toxic man in your life how much how, i mean like, we've talked about this before but just like just to crystallize it here like the fact that like that toxic person like does one good thing or martyrs themselves i worry that the message here is saying like you should always look for that sign and you should always trust them or like that they are always deserving of that extra effort because it is possible that they might get something out of that right and that is really dissatisfying i think the more that i think about yeah this particular scene i don't want to come off too hard though like against the idea of like redemption arcs though because i do think that like redemption is really important and of course like we don't want to advocate for like a society in which like we treat people as unsavable or like infallible because that yeah. is of course how we get exactly. like disastrous carceral states and like justice systems that do not in fact provide for like safety and equity and reconciliation but like that, I think like does like just, yeah, bring bring it back for me to the question. How are you seeking redemption and like who gets offered redemption? And I think that we need to like demand more of like certain people who are seeking redemption and recognize the work of other people who are already doing that. And there's some like character arcs in like mm -hmm. fictional things that I think like right. are much better redemption arcs. Like we mentioned him before. I think that the Zuko redemption arc is genuinely like very yes. good. And like yes. that does not have a lot of the problems that like I had with this. Do you remember Regina from Once Upon a Time? the evil queen yeah obviously yeah okay for those of you for those of you listening i hope you remember her too or i hope you're not so young that this is not a reference that makes sense Once to you time is on disney plus <laughs> so go and catch up yeah the first two seasons i would say are like very good <laughs> and yeah but she has she has an she has epic a great redemption, redemption arc, arc where like she does a lot of work and like like a lot of people are like really skeptical of her and she like has to continually like prove herself and like basically like pay out reparations through her labor yep. Anyway. <laughs> Unfortunately, in this case, Luke literally has to die in order for <laughs> yes. this to be solved. There was there was unfortunately no solution where he stayed alive and then gave reparations through labor. And on that <laughs> note, we are going to take a quick break before the happy stuff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okie dokie, we are back. After, you know, that gets taken care of, we win the battle, there's a whole bunch of stuff that has to go down, the Olympians appear back in the throne room, we make a shroud for the son of Hermes, Hermes is in mourning, complicated idea of like, so Luke was, ended up being a hero, dying a hero, Yeah, interesting. Hermes is also a sloppy baby. Oh yeah, wait, we did touch on this earlier, but Luke says like he is definitely getting Elysium, which is implying to, and like no one questions that. So everyone seems to be of the opinion that like the gods will judge him to be like a hero also. That seems like Hades will not do that, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Hades, I don't think is down for that, to be honest. <laughs> Percy remembers his promise to Sally. He asks for the lights um, on the Empire State of the Building to be blue. Aww. Big, big family reunion. All kinds of combinations of people having fun conversations. We have Hera, Dionysus, Hades. We talk about how we're going to fix Olympus. Poseidon is proud of his son. He hugs Percy. Zeus, like, acknowledges that Poseidon 
and Hades both left their realms to come and help mm-hmm. out reluctantly, but he does so. There's all this like recognition for the different heroes. Artemis says that her hunters are going to get elite treatment. Um, they will be all going to the Isles of the Blessed, mm-hmm. which, which Hades is like, I don't know, we'll see. But then she keeps crossing him and he says like, yes, which to me raises so many questions. What does that say about everyone who like doesn't get into like Elysia. It says that they didn't have a strong female mentor yeah. advocating for them. Yeah. They they go through some of the other heroes too. Like Poseidon gets basically a the quote the best stick that shall be found um as his prize for leading the Cyclops army. Tyson. Tyson will get the best stick. Yes. Yep. Grover gets promoted to Lord of the Wild. And Grover of course passes out and starts yelling food in the middle of the council meeting when he hears about this because some things never change. Um, Annabeth's prize is that um, she she's going to redesign Olympus. And this is... Period. That's, Period. that's iconic. This is basically, like, you could argue everything she's been striving for this whole time. Like, her vision with the sirens is her, like, designing, uh, like, the best city in the world, basically. And now she's going to do that as a 16-year-old. It's about damn time. And she deserves that. Athena says, rise, my daughter, official architect of Olympus. Period. Yes. Love that for her. Which brings us, of course, then to the final hero, Percy, who the gods, I would question this a little bit. They all sort of, no one even questions that he is, of course, the most important hero in all of this who deserves the ultimate prize. I don't know if that really holds up, but they all think it. And so as a result of that, Zeus offers Percy immortality, the greatest gift that they can offer a hero to become a minor god and like, you know, kick it forever with Poseidon. Yep. Become another Apollo. But. <laughs> but, of course, Percy turns it Percy down. Percy thinks critically in this moment. He looks around. He thinks about Ethan. He thinks about Luke. He thinks about Annabeth. And he says no. And in this moment, rereading this um, an hour ago, all I could think about was that one episode of SpongeBob <laughs> where he has a patty battle with um king neptune and king neptune offers him like the role of being like a god of the sea and spongebob turns it down because not all of his friends could come with him to atlantis if he did that oh my god that's and so beautiful i didn't know that SpongeBob that. did that and you know what real crabby patties are made with love and not magic that's a lesson for all of us which is basically what percy says <laughs> percy yeah turns down immortality but he wants something in return okay so he says then I looked at Annabeth again. I thought about my friends from camp, Charles Beckendorf, Michael Hughes, Lena Bureauregard, and so many others who are now dead. I thought about Ethan Nakamura and Luke, and I knew what I had to do. No, I said. The council went silent. The gods frowned at each other like they must have misheard. No, Zeus said. You are turning down our generous gift. There was a dangerous edge in his voice, like a thunderstorm about to erupt. I'm honored and everything, I said. Don't get me wrong. It's just I've got a lot of life left to live. I hate to peek in my sophomore year. The gods were glaring at me, but Annabeth had her hands over her mouth. Her eyes were shining. And that kind of made up for it. I do want a gift, though, I said. Do you promise to grant my wish? Who's thought about this? If it's within our power. It is, I said. And it's not even that difficult. But I need you to promise on the river sticks. What, Dionysus said? You don't trust us? Someone once told me, I said, looking at Hades. You should always get a solemn oath. Hades shrugged. Guilty. Very well, Zeus growled. In the name of the council, we swear by the river sticks to grant your reasonable request as long as it's within our power. The other gods muttered assent. Thunder boom, shaking the throne room. The deal was made. From now on, I want you to properly recognize the children of the gods, I said. All the children of all the gods. The Olympians shifted uncomfortably. Percy, my father said, what exactly do you mean? Kronos couldn't have risen if it hadn't been for a lot of demigods who felt abandoned by their parents, I said. They felt angry, resentful, and unloved. And they had a good reason. 
Medusa's royal nostrils flared. You dare accuse? No more undetermined children, I said. I want you to promise to claim your children, all your demigod children, by the time they turn 13. They'll be left out in the world on their own at the mercy of monsters. I want them claimed and brought to camps so they can be trained right and survive. Now wait just a moment, Apollo said, but I was on a roll. And the minor gods, I said, Nemesis, Hecate, Morpheus, Janus, Hebe, they all deserve general amnesty and a place at Camp Half-Blood. Their children should be ignored. Calypso and the other peaceful titan kind should be pardoned too. And Hades, are you calling me a minor god? Hades bellowed. No, my lord, I said quickly. But your children should not be left out. They should have a cabinet camp. Nico's proven that. No uncrained demigods will be crammed into the Hermes cabin anymore, wondering who their parents are. They'll have their own cabins for all the gods. And no more pack to the big three. That You've got to stop trying to get rid of powerful demigods. We're going to train them and accept them instead. All the children of the gods will be welcome and treated with respect. That is my wish. Is that all? Zeus snorted. Percy Poseidon said, you ask much. You presume much. I hold you to your oath, I said. All of you. Period. I think that's a good place to stop on that. I love um, this note that says, is it love, horniness, stupidity, class solidarity? All of the above. All of the above. I think that it's mostly class solidarity. I think the first time I read this when I was like a little kid, I was like, okay, like Percy is sticking behind because he wants, he wants to be with Adabath, but also like, you know, like he, he's sad for all of his friends. But like, I think that the like better reading of this is the gods are basically looking at Percy and saying like, well, you're not like the other girls. Like we want to differentiate you from the demigods who are undeserving right and percy says no yeah. and that's so exactly that's you are the best demigod everyone else message is the idea that we need to reject exceptionalism especially when it's being like offered yeah to you as like a way out powerful we love that he said look i didn't want to be a half-blood i didn't ask to be special yeah and i want equality for my friends. We're going to see this in action and we can talk, think about it critically and how the gods are, are carrying out their promise in <laughs> the next series. Yeah. <laughs> From here, we chat with Hermes. Um, he basically, you know, there's some debriefing. He says the mortals are fine. This is New York. I've never seen a more resilient bunch of humans. Percy apologizes and says, I'm sorry, your son is dead and, and whatever, whatever. I don't know. I still don't like this man. Um, Percy's like, I misjudged you and basically forgives him on behalf of Luke almost, which yeah, is like, I kind of understand what he's saying, yeah. but I mostly Again, don't. he gives us like, we can't give up on our family speech. I uh, I think he cries again. And Percy is like, no, 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 you were mm -hmm. right. Luke loved mm -hmm. you. At, at the end, he realized his fate. I think he realized why you couldn't help him. He remembered what was important. And that string of dialogue just like doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, what are we talking I about? I 100% agree. He realized agree. what fate? He realized why couldn't his dad help him and what was important. Like, I don't understand any of these questions, the answers to these questions. I, I, I guess we just, we can just accept a determinism point of view on yeah. this. Like Luke knew that like in this moment, like this was what had to happen. Um, I think and, Percy's like, like lying. He's either lying or he's dumb and literally just did not understand Luke because I, 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 I agree with you. I really don't think that this is founded. And like a big part of the reason why we know it's not founded is because Percy just exacted this request out of the gods. So clearly Hermes could have yeah. done better. They all could have done better. This is like, what, you think I can change after millennium? And Percy's like, you can change, period. It's going to happen. I'm demanding it. Yeah. So that was great. That moment did do it for me a little bit. I felt that one. <laughs> And then Athena has this standoff with Percy. <laughs> she she basically is like, you know what? I didn't think you would do it, but you did manage to save both the world and your friends. Stay away from my daughter part two. Explodes into a column of flames. Percy heads down with Annabeth in the elevator. His mom's waiting in the Yay, lobby. Sally! She's been really worried, but she saw the sign. Sally! And they reunite and everyone's alive and happy. Yeah. We love that for them. Um, 
But of course, it doesn't last that long because Nika runs in and is like, Rachel, headed off to camp with um, your it's, Pegasus. It's the 11 o'clock number. So now we got to go All check right. on that. We're going back. Okay. I, <laughs> before we dive into this last little section with Rachel here, um, I just have to say that, the, the, again, the second moment that changes everything for me in this book is when Annabeth frowns and goes, what did she do now? And Percy goes, she took my Pegasus. And Annabeth is like, what was she thinking? And I just... Thank the freaking God. When I read that, I just like my shoulders dropped, my blood pressure dropped, my heart rate slowed down because no longer (laughs) is this situation a love triangle. Instead, it is Persebeth where they should rightly be as the mother and father figure here being like, what did this girl do now? Like, we got to go save her. They are united together Mm -hmm. on one front when it comes to Rachel. Rachel is doing her own damn thing. Like the individual queen she is following her own dreams. Wow. That just, that little switch, that little stance shift changes everything for me. They fly off to camp as soon as they can get there. Um, but by by the time by the time we're there, it, it, there's nothing we can do. Rachel is going to become the next oracle. Period. The only thing that we can do now is wait to see if the spirit takes hold, which is what Apollo says, who is also there now. We've got Apollo. We've got Chiron. All of these messy men just enabling. They're literally all of them have acknowledged, like number one, that this is dangerous. For anyone under normal circumstances. But then also all of them are basically saying like, we're not totally sure if Hades has lifted the curse yet. Rachel is pretty sure, but we as thousands of year old grown men who are in charge of everything are just cool with that. We are cool with this heightened risk and we don't feel the need. Like Apollo could ask (laughs) Apollo, you know, like he's a God. He can go around places. He can send a message, but no. Anyway, Rachel, we're all upset about fine. this, but Rachel... She's perfectly fine. Rachel does it. She survives. She, she pops back up. Percy and Annabeth run over to her. Um, she's like, oh, no, I'm fine. But then she stands up. Her eyes glow <gasps> green. And she says, Seven half-bloods shall answer the call. To storm or fire, the world must fall. An oath to keep with a final breath. And foes bear arms to the doors of death. Yeah. That's such a good reading. Do you think, wait, this is like such a dumb sidetrack. Do you think that we should have been reading the prophecies in unison? Because like the Oracle is supposed to do like a multi-voice. Let's do it right now. Thing as part of it. <laughs> no, let's do now. it right now. Ready? <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight. Seven half-bloods. <laughs> wait, sorry. I lost my prayers. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm ready now. I'm ready. <laughs> seven half-bloods, half-bloods shall, shall answer, answer the call. The call. To storm, or, storm fire. or fire, the world, the world must, must fall. fall. And oath, oath to, keep to keep with the final, with a final breath. breath. And, and foes bear, bear arms, arms to the, the doors, doors of, of death. death. Wow, that really didn't work. That's why we did. I'm keeping it in. Wow. Chills, chills, chills. Rick really screamed sequel potential. These last few chapters, I like with Stark rereading it, like how much he is truly like plans. yelling at us. He's grabbing us and shaking us and saying, there is more by my next book. I'm so <laughs> excited. And then you know what happens? You know what happens. We know what happens. I think we do. We all know what happens. We can't read three pages. <laughs> Unfortunately, although we would like to, <laughs> but we will read sections of it. So this starts at. Page 371. They, you know, they're having the campfire. They're burning the shrouds for Splina, for Ethan Nakamura. No one even mentioned the word spy, which I think is fascinating. 
we've got Juniper, we've got Grover, we've got Mrs. O'Leary being happy, everyone's eating dinner, we're looking out at the Long Island Sound, and then Percy and Annabeth are sitting at the pavilion. Hey, Annabeth slid next to me on the bench. Happy birthday. She was holding a huge misshapen cake cupcake with blue icing. I stared at her. What? It's August 18th, she said. Your birthday, right? I was stunned. It hadn't even occurred to me, but she was right. I had turned 16 this morning, the same morning I had made the choice to give Luke the knife. The prophecy had come true right on schedule, and I hadn't even thought about the fact that it was my birthday. Make a wish, she said. Did you bake this yourself, I asked. Tyson helped. That explains why it looks like a chocolate brick, I said, with extra blue cement. We cut it in half, shared, eating with our fingers. Annabeth sat next to me and we watched the ocean. Crickets and monsters were making noises in the woods, but otherwise it was quiet. You saved the world, she said. We saved the world. And Rachel is the new oracle, which means she won't be dating anybody. You don't sound disappointed, I noticed. Annabeth shrugged. Oh, I don't care. Uh Uh-huh. She raised an eyebrow. You got something to say to me, seaweed brain? You'd probably kick my butt. You know I'd kick your butt. I brushed the cake off my hands. When I was at the River Styx, turning invulnerable, Nico said I had to concentrate on one thing that kept me anchored to the world, that made me want to stay mortal. Annabeth kept her eyes on the horizon. Yeah. Then up on Olympus, I said, when they wanted to make me a god and stuff, I kept thinking, oh, you so wanted to. Well, maybe a little, but I didn't because I thought I didn't want things to stay the same for eternity because things could always get better. And I was thinking my throat felt really dry. Anyone in particular? Annabeth asked. I looked over and saw that she was trying not to smile. You're laughing at me, I complained. I am not! You are so not making this easy. Then she laughed for real and she put her hands around my neck. I am never, ever going to make things easy for you, seaweed brain. Get used to it. When she kissed me, I had the feeling my brain was melting right through my body. I could have stayed forever, except a voice behind us growled, Well, it's about time! <laughs> the pavilion fills with all the half-bloods they yell Percy's like oh come on is there no privacy and then they carry them down to the lake we held hands right up to the moment they dumped us in the water afterward I had the last laugh I made an air bubble at the bottom of the lake our friends kept waiting for us to come up but hey when you're the son of Poseidon you don't have to hurry and it was pretty much the best underwater kiss of all time which is frankly for me where the book ends. Ah! So <laughs> that's the last line. Oh my god. That was so satisfying. Every time I read it, it really does it clears my skin, it um eliminates my debts. It oh my god. Everything every about layer, that, every, every layer of, writing, of that. My two favorite bits wow. about this is how Rick doesn't even say we kissed. He says when we kissed because we all knew it. We, we all then knew it was coming. We could feel it. They kissed before this. Isn't their first kiss? Um, and so he just jumps right yes. to. We don't even need him to write about that moment because we're all seeing it because that's how good it is. I love that he doesn't need to hurry. Yes. You know what? Percy is a king who takes time. I, yep, 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 we're all, we're all agreeing, we're all nodding respectfully, um, yeah, the dialogue here is so tight, too, it's so well-optimized, delightful, I'm never gonna make it, I'm never, ever gonna make it easy for you, haunts me in my sleep, so good, and when Clarice comes in at the end, like, that was the one that really did for me when I read it for the first time, I was like, okay, so I'm not, 
I'm not I'm not the the dumb one here. We've all we've all been thinking this. It's about damn time. Yeah. It's so sweet. It's everyone it's is about involved damn with time. It. Oh god. It's amazing. And then final chapter. Everyone says goodbye. Yeah. Grover is like, hey, my job ends. is gonna take me away for a while. So they say goodbye to each other. Honestly, I don't know, whatever. I forgot that they were even best friends at this point. Um, Poseidon, oh my god! Poseidon has this weird conversation with Percy where he's like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You have to know which fish are big enough to land. And Percy's like, what? And we're all like, what? Maybe we'll figure it out later. I still honestly think that. Like, I, I like reading back. I Maybe have no idea what he's talking Annabeth? about. That would be really gross. I really hope not. I don't know. I'm sure a bunch of people listening to this know what it's in reference to. So just DM us and tell us because we're dumb. And... Rachel's going to boarding school. She's going to try and be a normal gal for a little while. Annabeth and Rachel are friends, of course. Hashtag sisterhood, the start of a beautiful friendship. But of course, Annabeth is yeah. like, Percy, I can, I know you. I can tell you're worried about the prophecy. And Percy's like, yeah, who, the seven half-bloods, like, who's it going to be about? We're going to have so many new faces next summer. We sure are. New <laughs> characters are rolling down the hill. But, you know, there's this, there's this, they're facing this genuine question. Is this going to even happen in our lifetimes? You know, most times the last great prophecy lasted for mm-hmm. decades and decades. So, you know, they're they're like, you know, it would really be nice to kick back and relax for a while. It could be a problem for the next generation. Psych, bitch. This Whoa. is Gen Z. We are dealing with Whoa. every major cataclysmic event you could even think of. <laughs> Everything is crumbling around us. Seven things at once. What's the next generation? We're the last one. Truly the last one. <laughs> <laughs> and with that... <laughs> Annabeth staying in the city to to basically like you know like because she's overseeing Olympus but also because they're dating and they want to stick together I think we, I think we need to do a little more reading just like we've read so much for this but we do need just the tiniest bit more take it away Carter Annabeth thank goodness would be staying in New York she'd gotten permission from her parents to attend a boarding school in the city so she'd be close to Olympus and oversee the rebuilding efforts and close to me I asked well someone's got a big sense of his own importance but she laced her fingers through mine I remembered what she told me in New York about building something permanent and i thought just maybe we were off to a good start <gasps> racy down the hill seaweed brain oh my god absolutely and yes! once i didn't look back amen that's so god bless powerful i'm reminded of the season finale of parks and rec strangely Aww. there's like this parallelism in, in parks and rec where at the end of most seasons like something awful happens to leslie and she basically says to someone around her like oh my god i'm so unprepared and at the end of the final season she says like nope that's let's good. go yeah that's so powerful that's so powerful for a coming of age story yeah they where they're going they feel good about themselves it doesn't mean that everything is fine it just means like the next go around yeah. like we're ready they're we're ready growing up challenge the trials aren't ending but we're ready for the next challenge yeah. yeah. Trials are truly not ending. <gasps> no, because guess the frick what? You may have noticed this is the end of the original series. Um, we had no idea what was going to happen when we started doing this in quarantine, bored. But it's been months now, and we've invested a lot of time and energy. And it, <laughs> frankly, it makes us really happy. And it does. Also, it, it forces Carter to talk to me for at least a couple hours every week, <laughs> I enjoy. So... <laughs> That's it, but also that's not it. What what do we have to look forward to in the coming weeks, um, Carter? Well, first things first, there are a number of special episodes that we've been teasing, a number of very special episodes that we really <laughs> wanted you to dive back in, not just sort of, you know, like we've been talking, we've done a few of these, and we want to dive in on some 
things that we've mentioned a few times that have been flitting in and out that we really want to nail down. We want to do a roundup about Persephone and a final roundup about Western civilization, just to really crystallize all of our thoughts across that and just focus on those full episodes, because obviously we think those are really important questions. So. Yes, and if you if you have if you have thoughts like we've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, but for real, in the next couple of days, please get your thoughts into us. Send us a message on Anchor. Send us um, a text on Instagram, Twitter, anything like that. We want to read your thoughts. The link is in our yes. bio to send us a voice yes. on Anchor. Please do that. We, we want to hear everyone's opinions. We want to like really dig deep on these things. But like there, yes. In addition to those. There's so many other special episodes that we want to we do. We will be doing probably a special Spotify episode where we talk about a Persebeth playlist that we'll make. We will do a deep dive on Athena, like a, a more of a myth classics conversation. The fan casting is coming. And in it, we it's will coming. talk about quote, quote unquote color conscious casting. And once we get all of that out of the way and we have some fun special guests from some other podcasts to look forward to, we will start in on the heroes of Olympus. It's it's canon, folks. It's happening. If you want to be on the podcast, just shoot us a message because we're going to need about a million special guests. So <laughs> let us know. Yeah, those books are thick. Yes. When we come back, we will talk about whether or not Carter and I still believe Persebeth is the greatest love story ever told and talk more about demolishing Western civilization. But for now, we're going to go back into our election anxiety and hug <laughs> our housemates and we will see you very very soon yeah rest easy everyone stay safe hopefully (laughs) hopefully some some good stuff is coming (laughs) all right